0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories, with your host, Ryan Davis.
1: This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring workday.
2: No one's allowed to talk, is that it? You can't talk? No, you intimidate them. Good God, you're a woman. Is it better to be feared or respected? And I say, is it too much to ask for both? I humbly present the Jericho. Hey, to you. peace.
0: Tony Stark.
3: Now you work for me. What are you building, Stark?
2: Are red. Your tears for your long-lost boss. Tears of joy. I hate job hunting. Yeah, vacation's over. Welcome home, sir. Put up the scanner, will you? What happened over there? I had my eyes open. I want to protect the people I put in harm's way. A man with a dozen of these can rule all of Asia. Yeah, I can fly. See if this dog can hunt. So the upgrade is complete. I'll tell you what, throw a little hot rod red in there. Damn. good luck keeping up. <laughs> Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. There's been speculation that I'm parading around as a superhero. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly.
1: Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and this week we're gonna cover the movie Iron Man from 2008. Now, the studio is actually Marvel Studios, but it was distributed through Paramount Pictures. The release date was May 2nd, 2008. The running time: 126 minutes. The rating was PG-13. The budget was 140 million. The box office was a smash, taking in 318 million. That was domestic, making it the second-ranked movie. Of 2008, the number one ranked movie, another superhero movie, The Dark Knight. Rotten Tomatoes gave it 93% fresh from 276 reviews. Critics' consensus is, powered by Robert Downey Jr.'s vibrant charm, Iron Man turbocharges, the superhero genre with deaf intelligence and infectious sense of fun. Roger Ebert at the time gave it 4 out of 4 stars, and here's his review. When I caught up with Iron Man, a broken hip had delayed me and the movie had already been playing for three weeks. What I had heard during that time was that a lot of people loved it, and that they were surprised to love it so much and that Robert Downey Jr.'s performance was special. Apart from that, all I knew was that the movie was about a big Iron Man. (laughs) I didn't even know that a human occupied it, and halfway through that, the Downey's character's brain had been transplanted into a robot, or a fate equally weird. Yes, I knew I was looking at sets and special effects, but I'm referring to the reality of illusion, if that makes any sense. With many superhero movies, all you get is the surface of illusion. With Iron Man, you get a glimpse into the depths. You get the feeling, for example, of a functioning corporation. Considering the characters of Pepper Potts, Gwyneth Paltrow, Stark's loyal aide, and Obadiah Stane, Jeff Bridges, Stark's business partner, they don't feel drummed up for for the occasion. They seem to have worked together for a while. Much of that feeling is created by the chemistry involving Downey, Paltrow, and Bridges. They have the relationships that seem fully formed and resilient enough to last through the whole movie, even if the plot mechanics were not about to take them to another level. Between the two men, there are echoes of the relationship between Howard Hughes and Noah Dietrich in Scorsese's The Aviator from 2004. Obadiah Stane doesn't come on screen waving flags and winking at the camera to announce he's the villain. He seems adequately explained simply as the voice of reason at Stark's press conference. Between Stark and Pepper, there's that classic screen tension between friends who know they can potentially become lovers. Downey's performance is intriguing and unexpected. He doesn't behave like most superheroes. He lacks the psychic weight and gravitas. Tony Stark is created from the persona Downey has fashioned through many movies, irreverent, quirky, self-deprecating, and wisecracking. The fact that Downey is allowed to think and talk the way he does while wearing all that hardware represents a bold decision by the director, Jon Favreau. If he hadn't desired that, he probably wouldn't have hired Downey. So comfortable is Downey with Tony Stark's dialogue, so familiar does it sound coming from him that the screenplay seems almost to have been dictated by Downey's persona. There are some things that some actors can safely say on screen, and others they can't. The Robert Downey Jr. persona would find it difficult to get away with weighty, profound statements. Some superheroes speak in a kind of heightened, semi-formal prose, as if dictating to Bartlett's familiar quotation, not Tony Stark. He could talk that way and be Juno's uncle. (laughs) Iron Man doesn't seem to know how seriously most superhero movies take themselves. If there is wit in the dialogue, the superhero is often supposed to be unaware of it. If there's broad humor, it usually belongs to the villain. What happens in Iron Man, however, is it is that sometimes we wonder how seriously even Stark takes it. He's flippant in the face of disaster, casual on the brink of of ruin. It's prudent, I think, that Favreau positions the rest of the characters in a more serious vein. The supporting cast wisely does not try to one-up him. Gwyneth Paltrow plays Pepper Potts as a woman who is seriously concerned with that this goofball will kill himself. Jeff Bridges makes Obadiah Stane one of the greatest superhero villains by seeming plausibly concerned about the stock price. Terrence Howard, plays Colonel Rhodes, is at every moment a conventional straight arrow. What a horror show would have been if they were all tuned into Stark's sardonic wavelength. We'd be back in the world of Swingers, which was written by Favreau. Another of the film's novelties is that the enemy is not a conspiracy or spy organization. It is instead the reality of our own world today. Armaments are escalating beyond the ability to control them. In most movies in this genre, the goal would be to create bigger and better weapons. How unique that Tony Stark wants to disarm. It makes him a superhero who can think, reason, and draw moral conclusions instead of one who recites platitudes. The movie is largely founded on its special effects. When someone isn't talking, something is banging or clanging or laying rubber. The armored robotic suits utilized by Tony and Obadiah would upstage lesser actors than Downey and Bridges. It's surprising how much those two giant Iron Men seem to reflect the personalities of the men inside them. Everything they do is preposterous, of course, but they seem to be doing it, not the suits. Some of their moments have real grandeur, as when Tony tests his suit to see how high it will fly and he finally falls back towards Earth in a sequence that reminded me of a similar challenge in The Right Stuff. The art direction is inspired by the original Marvel artists. The movie doesn't reproduce the drawings of Jack Kirby and others, but it reproduces their feeling. A vision out of scale enormity, seamless in sleekness, secret laboratories made not of nuts and bolts, but of vistas. A lot of big-budget effects epics seem to abandon their stories with a half an hour to go and just throw the effects at the audience. This one has a plot so ingenious it continues to function no matter how loud the impacts, how enormous the explosions. It's an inspiration to provide Tony with that heart-saving device. He's vulnerable not simply because Obadiah might destroy him, but that he might simply run out of juice. That leaves us, however, with a fundamental question at the bottom of the story. Why must the ultimate weapon be humanoid in appearance? Why must it have two arms and two legs, and why does it matter if its face is scowling? In the real world of competitions between fighting machines, all the elements of design are based entirely on questions of how they will allow the machines to attack, defend, recover, stay upright, and overturn their enemies. It is irrelevant whether they have conventional eyes or whether their eyes narrow. Nor does it matter whether they have noses, because their oxygen supply is obviously not obtained by breathing. The solution to such dilemmas is that the armored suits look the way they do for entirely cinematic reasons. The bad Iron Man should look like a mean machine. The good Iron Man should utilize the racing colors of Tony Stark's favorite sports cars. It wouldn't be nearly as much fun to see a fight scene between two refrigerators crossed with the leftovers from a boiler room. At the end of the day, it's Robert Downey Jr. who powers the liftoff, separating this from most of the other superhero movies. You hire an actor for his strengths, and Downey would not be as strong as a one-dimensional mighty man. He is strong because he is smart, quick, and funny, and because we sense his public persona masks deep private wounds. Building on that, Favreau found his movie, and it's a good one. And that's the end of his review. I must admit that I wasn't expecting much when the first Iron Man movie was released. I didn't really read the comic books for Iron Man, and he just seemed too bland to create a whole movie for, but I was absolutely wrong. This is why Marvel created such an empire, and the Iron Man series is arguably the best superhero movie series ever created, thanks in part, of course, as as Ebert said, to Robert Downey Jr., he had a cocksure attitude to the Tony Stark character, and Ebert stated it perfectly in his review. The beauty of Marvel was that they went beyond the popular up tier characters and made the once less popular characters movie stars. You have Iron Man and Thor, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man. They're all mentioned in the same breath as the whole Captain America and Spider-Man now. So you've got to give major props to Marvel for finally getting the genre right. All right, let's get into the main cast. Of course, you have Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark. Downey's career started in the 1980s. He was usually playing the goofy friend like in Weird Science or Back to School. He did have a short run on Saturday Night Live from 1985 to 86 before taking more mature roles like Less Than Zero and Air America and then Chaplin, which was an excellent portrayal of the film legend Charlie Chaplin. Unfortunately, Downey's career for most of the 90s was more notable for his drug habits and his arrests than his film work. However, once Downey finally became sober in the early 2000s, he really rebuilt his career. He did great movies like Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang, Zodiac, and Charlie Bartlett. However, Iron Man was what really made Downey a superstar, and he's kept that star power through the present day. Terrence Howard plays Colonel Rhodes, or Rhodey, And Howard's career started in the early 90s, mostly on TV shows, and eventually became a popular character actor in films like Ray, the Ray Charles biopic, and Crash, and he gained an Oscar nomination for Best Actor for Hustle and Flow in 2005. But like Downey, Howard had his legal and arrest problems and supposedly is not the easiest guy to work with, which is part of the reason he only appears in the first Iron Man film, and then he was later replaced by Don Cheadle for the remaining Marvel films. Howard claims that Downey wanted too much of the pie salary-wise for the sequel, thus leaving less for Howard to make. However, his onset difficulties could also be the reason he wasn't cast to return, though I'm sure he would have liked to cash in on the Iron Man franchise, but he's done really well for himself on the show Empire. Jeff Bridges plays Obadiah Stane. So by this point... Bridges was already a Hollywood legend, he's Hollywood royalty, so to get him to play a main villain was actually a big selling point for the movie, uh, including myself, uh, going into it. I I won't get into his earlier career, because I'll save that for another episode with Bridges as a star, but his better known later era movies at this time would have been the Big Lebowski and Seabiscuit. Gwyneth Paltrow plays Pepper Potts, and Paltrow's career began in the early 90s, but her breakout role in my first time seeing her was in The Awesome Thriller 7 from 1995. She would appear in many period pieces like Emma and Great Expectations and Shakespeare and Love, all of which I avoid, like The Plague. However, she did have indie cred with movies like The Royal Tenenbaums and The Talented Mr. Ripley, and I did like her in Shallow Howl with Jack Black. The director was John Favreau, and so Favreau kind of followed other actors turned directors like Clint Eastwood and Ron Howard. He started his career appearing in films like Swingers, The Replacements, and the terrible adaptation of Daredevil with Ben Affleck. However, in 2003, he directed Elf with Will Ferrell, and his directing career really took off. And then Iron Man was his next film. It's also cool he is a fun character in the film and the series as Happy Hogan, Tony Stark's driver and assistant of sorts. All right, let's get into kind of the origin of the Iron Man character, if you're not familiar already with uh, the comic book. So, Iron Man was first created by Stan Lee and Larry Lieber, Don Heck, and Jack Kirby in 1963 for uh, the comic Tales of Suspense, number 39. Uh, Eventually, the Iron Man character received its own publication in 1968. So Stanley created Iron Man during the height of the Cold War, which makes sense as Stark Industries were weapon manufacturers basically trying to ensure the U.S. was safe from the weapons that the Russians were creating. However, as the times changed, so did the character. You know, selling arms in the 60s wasn't seen as a bad thing. Post-Vietnam, however, the lines became more blurred and Stark changed his outlook as well. So in the movie, Stark becomes Iron Man in Afghanistan, but in the comic book, it was Vietnam. Stan Lee had Howard Hughes in mind when he created Tony Stark, and this makes sense since Hughes loved flying and obviously the Iron Man suit flies. The premise was Iron Man was to be Tony Stark's bodyguard, and that was his alias. Stan Lee claims that Iron Man received more female fan mail than any other character at that point. Obviously, the playboy Stark lured in the female reader. He was handsome, rich, and needed some mothering, according to Lee. The metaphor of Iron Man is that he is heartless. It sort of plays in the character, and Downey does a great job with that dilemma. And many average readers enjoyed Iron Man because, in many ways, the reader could picture themselves in the suit, as opposed to Superman, who was basically an alien. The Avengers basically stuck together due to the money, power, and genius of Tony Stark. The other Avengers probably had more strength, but the brains of the operation is all Stark when it comes to technology and developing weapons. So the making of the movie, so Fox and New Line had the rights before going back to Marvel Studios. It was essentially the first Marvel movie fully financed by the company. Marvel from the beginning thought of these films as a franchise material, and it really worked out for them as it turns out. As John Favreau points out, it was a bit easier to have a vision for Iron Man compared to other superheroes because the lore of the character wasn't set in stone like, say, Spider-Man. So the artist Adi Granoff design of the suit is what... Favreau wanted to use because it was more tech-based and somewhat flexible for the modern era. The executive producer for Iron Man is Peter Billingsley, of course, was Ralphie on A Christmas Story, and he does have a cameo in the lab scenes for Stark Industries when creating the evil suit for Stain. So Favreau did an excellent job integrating the actual Marvel comic writers and artists to add authenticity to the film to appease the nucleus of the character. The amount of labor that was put into creating the actual suit was immense. Stan Winston was a huge fan of Iron Man and sought out to have his company create the suit. He was also best known for his work in the Terminator series, the first three Jurassic Park films, Aliens, the first two Predator films, Inspector Gadget and Edward Scissorhands. And Sadly, he died a few months after Iron Man was released. Wearing the suit is said to be like wearing a very large amount of football padding, kind of like 100 pounds of it. So you'd have to be athletic to pull off the moves and that sort of gear, and this is why the film works well, because it's a real suit. It's not just pure CGI. Favreau always wanted Downey since he really fits the character of Tony Stark, and he has the confident, arrogant sense of humor that fits so well. Robert Downey Jr. said to Gwyneth Paltrow, aren't you tired of being in these cute little films that nobody ever sees? And I guess that's one way to sell her on, on this film. Jeff Bridges had never shaved his head before, but he saw the character and took the plunge. He's the dude. Happy Hogan never smiles, which is why the character's name is what it is. It's always tricky in the first film of a franchise because you have to get the origin story out of the way. For Iron Man, it's really well done and not glossed over, but you don't feel like you're thinking to yourself, okay, let's move on here. The original script also had Mandarin in the film uh, as a villain, which meant Stain wouldn't be getting a suit. Bridges er- was originally disappointed, but then he later got his wish when Mandarin wasn't included. All right, let's just get right into the film. Again, the brilliance of the Marvel Cinematic Universe are featuring characters that, let's face it, weren't as popular when they originally created in the comic book form, and they- this gave them a whole new life to a whole new audience. Iron Man is a perfect example of this. Spider-Man was already... The most famous, I would say Hulk and Captain America were the other popular heroes comic wise. After that, all the other characters were kind of second tier. And ironically, the Fantastic Four were popular in comics, but they've never had a decent film made for them. And I can't forget X-Men and Wolverine, whom both were popular in both versions, though I never really got into X-Men. So any film that begins with ACDC is probably gonna be a winner for me, even if it's a song I've heard a million times, that being Back in Black, it doesn't matter. I love the song and the band no matter what. So the location is in Afghanistan and immediately we're introduced to the arrogant know-it-all Tony Stark who is being carted around in a military Hummer while he's in a suit with a drink in his hand. I think it's bourbon. Again, Downey owns this role, and he's by far the most interesting character in the Marvel Universe. He sort of has to be because he doesn't have the great physical powers. It's all about his technical knowledge, creating a high-powered suit to perform great feats. In any case, no other actor in the Avengers universe holds a candle to Robert Downey Jr.
2: You're driving me to court-martial, this is crazy. What did I do? I feel like you're gonna pull over and snuff me. What, you're not allowed to talk? Hey, Forrest. We can talk, sir. Oh, I see, so it's personal? No, you intimidate them. Good God, you're a woman. I Honestly, I couldn't be called that. I mean, I'd apologize, but isn't that what we're going for here? I thought of you as a soldier first. I'm an airman. But you have actually excellent bone structure there. I'm kind of having a hard time not looking at you now. Is that weird? (laughs) Come on, it's okay, laugh. Hey. Sir, I I have a question to ask. Yes, please. Is it true you went twelve for twelve with last year's maximum cover model? That is an excellent question. Yes and no. March and I had a scheduling conflict, but fortunately the Christmas cover was twins. Anything else? You're kidding me with the hand up, right?
1: Is it cool if I take a picture with you?
2: Yes, it's very cool. Uh, I don't want to see this on your MySpace page. Please, no gang signs. No, throw it up. I'm kidding. Yeah, peace. I love peace. I'd be out of a job with peace. Come
0: on, come
1: on. Just click it. Don't change any settings. Okay. What's
2: going on? Contact lab. What do we got? Hey. stay with Star.
1: <laughs> I love the MySpace reference. Good old 2008. In any case, it, the fun and game ends quickly as Stark's convoy is ambushed, and then it's sweet irony that Stark is nearly blown up and hit with shrapnel from his own weapons from Stark Industries. He is then captured and held hostage. The film then goes back in time 36 hours prior to the Afghanistan ambush. Stark is supposed to re- receive an award, so Obadiah Stane, Jeff Bridges, accepts the award for him. He's basically second in command at Stark Industries.
3: As liaison to Stark Industries, I've had the unique privilege of serving with a real patriot. He is my friend, and he is my great mentor. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to present this year's Apogee Award to Mr. Tony Stark. Tony. Uh, Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you all very much. This is wonderful. Well, I'm not Tony Stark. Uh, (laughs) But if I were Tony, I would tell you how honored I feel and uh, what a joy it is to receive this very prestigious award. Tony, you know, uh, the best thing about Tony is also the worst thing he's always working
4: working Come
5: on oh hey.
3: just stay You are unbelievable And oh they roped You into this? Well, nobody wrote me an so Well sorry. they told me that if I presented you with an award You would be deeply honored Of course I'd be deeply honored
2: And it's you oh, That's great, so when do we do
3: it? It's right uh, here One more round There you go There it is, that
2: was easy I'm so sorry Yeah, it's okay Wow, will you it's look okay. at that? That's uh, That's something else
6: I don't have any of those floating
2: around. Uh, we're going to let it ride. <clears throat> Give me a hand, will you? Give me a some, something. Okay, you too. I okay. don't blow them on, honey. bear. don't blow on, hands. There, there it is, it is. We kind of Colonel Rhodes rolls grab, in. Grab, grab, Worst things have happened, I think we're going to be fine coloring up later.
3: This is where I exit. All right, tomorrow, don't be late. Yeah, you can count on huh? it. I'm serious. I know,
2: I know. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. There you go.
1: There are great character actors in this film, including John Favreau. He pulls double duty as not only the director, but also the actor as Tony Stark's security and chauffeur Happy Hogan. Leslie Bibb plays a vanity affair reporter, Christine Everhart. And in the comics, Everhart works for the same paper as Peter Parker, the Daily Bugle. So you sort of get the dichotomy to the point of the military and then the industries that create weapons. So, of course, nobody really wants to go to war, or at least us regular people don't want to go to war so we should just ban all the weapons right unfortunately what happens is when another party decides they don't want to abide by that peace and then start moving in on places that can de- can't to defend themselves what do you do so there's no clear-cut answer so why does everybody think they're in the right well this has always been the problem
2: mr stark christine everhart vanity fair magazine can i ask you a couple of questions she's
1: cute she's all right hi
2: hi yeah it's okay? okay go You've been called the Da Vinci of our time. What do you say to that? Absolutely ridiculous. I don't paint. And what do you say to your other nickname, the Merchant of Death? That's not bad. Let me guess. Berkeley? Brown, actually. Well, Ms. Brown. It's an imperfect world, but it's the only one we've got. I guarantee you, the day weapons are no longer needed to keep the peace, I'll start making bricks and beans for baby hospitals.
3: You rehearse that much?
2: Every night in front of the mirror before bedtime. I can see that. I'd like to show you firsthand. All I want is a serious answer. Okay, here's serious. My old man had a philosophy. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. That's a great line coming from the guy selling the sticks. My father helped defeat the Nazis. He worked on the Manhattan Project. A lot of people, including your professors at Brown, would call that being a hero. And a lot of people would also call that war profiteering. Tell me, do you plan to report on the millions we've saved by advancing medical technology or kept from starvation with our intellicrops? All those breakthroughs, military funding, honey.
6: You ever lose knowledge that your
2: whole life? He's prepared to lose a few with you.
1: Another great use of a song from Suicidal Tendencies, this one institutionalized, though I think it was more effective in Repo Man, the 80s cult classic, of course. Pepper Potts is Tony's personal assistant, but of course, way more than that, and as uh, future films will show, Paltrow plays the role well, and she has a nice chemistry with Robbie Downey Jr. It's sort of weird watching this movie now and seeing Terrence Howard as James Rhodes, since we now know it would be Howard's only film playing the role and then he was later replaced by Don Cheadle. So since Cheadle was a great replacement and a fine actor, it almost would have been best if he was the original choice. And that's that's nothing against Howard, but having the knowledge that he is supposedly difficult to work with and he's a bit of a wild card on sets, Cheadle would have been, uh, Cheadle should have been the first choice in my opinion. And I guess it's kind of like Ed Norton, Mark Ruffalo playing the Hulk, and I don't know. I supposedly uh, Norton is is difficult to work with, just like uh, Terrence Howard. And now we are caught up in time-wise. In the film, and Stark is captured in a cave in Afghanistan and pieced together with some sort of device placed in his human heart, which is connected to a car battery. So due to all the shrapnel that has ravaged Stark's body, a doctor named Jensen, uh, who is also being held hostage with Stark, he saves Stark's life by creating this crude version of what will keep him alive and ultimately turn him into Iron Man. Essentially, the electromagnetic device that keeps the shards of shrapnel away from his heart is what's keeping him alive. So the terrorist group known as the uh, Ten Rings wants Stark to create a high-powered missile for them. So Stark knows he's gonna be killed regardless. So he has to be creative when creating this missile. In the meantime, he devises a way to create what would become the Iron Man suit. And this is a nice flashback to the 80s filmmaking as you get a cool montage scene. Everyone is a sucker for a well-done montage. The formula that was created for Iron Man is essentially what is used in every other Marvel Cinematic Universe film afterwards. So while that may seem contrived, why break with a system that works so well? If Iron Man had bombed, there may not have been an influx of superhero movies that we see today, and I'm not sure if that's good or bad. <laughs> In any case, Iron Man's at the bar, though you have to give a nod to the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films as well. The creation of the suit is very MacGyver-esque, with a little A. T. mixed in. The sheer speed of creating something that intricate means you kind of have to suspend belief, but it's a superhero movie after all, so the original suit is obviously a crude model, but there's always a certain charm to a prototype, and eventually the suit's become so crazy high-tech the charm is sort of lost. It's probably the closest to the original comic book suit, but again, I'm not going to claim I'm an expert on anything Iron Man regarding the comics. So the original suit can fire a few missiles, but its main weapon of choice is a heavy-duty flamethrower, which works pretty well. And of course, for a short amount of time, Stark does get the suit to fly, though it's more like a rocket ejection, which eventually demolishes the suit on landing. One of the main tropes of Marvel movies is a good guy needs to die. In this case, no surprise that Yinsen fits that bell, but it's not really a spoiler since anyone can see this coming. So Stark is saved and transported back to the US and has a total epiphany after his capture and he holds a press conference, which is quite a shock to everyone, including Stane, who definitely does not want Stark's plan to happen.
2: Hey, would it be all right if everyone sat down? Why don't you just sit down? That way you can see me and I'm a little less formal than...
3: What's up with the love in? Don't look at me, I don't know what he's up to see
2: you. I never got to say goodbye to dad. I never got to say goodbye to my father. There's questions that I would ask him. I would ask him how he felt about what this company did. If he was conflicted, if he ever had doubts. Or maybe he was every inch the man we all remember from the newsreels. I saw young Americans killed by the very weapons I created to defend them and protect them. And I saw that I had become part of a system that is comfortable with zero accountability. What happened over there? Uh, I, I had my eyes open. I came to realize that I have more to offer this world than just making things to blow up. And that is why, effective immediately, I am shutting down the weapons manufacturer division of National. Until such a time as I can yes. decide what the future of this okay, company will be, what direction be it should take, one that I'm comfortable with and is consistent with the highest good for this country as well.
3: Uh, what we should take away from this is that Tony's back and uh, he's healthier than ever. Little uh, internal discussion and we'll get back to you to the follow. Well that uh, that went well. Uh, did I just paint a target on the back of my head? Your head. What about my head? What do you think the over under on the stock drop is gonna be tomorrow? Uh, optimistically forty points. At minimum. Yep. Tony. We're a weapons manufacturer. I'll be telling I don't want a body count to be that's, our only that's legacy. That's what we do. It. We're ironmongers. We make weapons. It's my
2: name on the side of the building. And you know, what we do keeps the world from falling into chaos. Not based um, on what I saw. We're not doing a good enough job. We can do better. We're going to do something else. Like what?
3: You want us to make baby bottles? I think we should take another look into arc reactor technology. Oh, come on. The arc reactor? That's a publicity stunt. Tony, come on! We built that thing to shut the hippies up. It works. Yeah, as a science project, the arc was never cost-effective. We knew that before we built it. Arc reactor technology—that's a dead end, right? Maybe. Huh? Am I right? We haven't had a breakthrough in that—what, in thirty years? That's what they say.
2: Did you have a lousier poker face? Just tell me, who told you? Never who told mind you? who told me. Rody. Show me. Rody or Pepper? It's Rody or Pepper? I want
3: to see it. OK, Rody. Nothing we can't do if we stick together, like your father and I. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't give you a heads up. Okay, but if I had, then... Tony, we—Tony, no more of this ready-fire-ang business. You understand me? dance line You gotta let me handle this. We're gonna have to play a whole different kind of ball now. We're gonna have to take a lot of heat. I want you to promise me that you're gonna lay low.
1: As for the villains in the three Iron Man films, Jeff Bridges is the best by far. Bridges was on a hell of a run at this point, as I mentioned earlier. We then see a report from stock guru's Jim Cramer, which is definitely a flashback from 2008. There's an amusing scene where Tony needs Pepper to essentially replace his metal heart, officially it's called an arc reactor, and he's like, it's like her playing a game of operation. Stark Industries, I've got one recommendation. Ready?
0: Ready? Ha <laughs> Sell, sell, sell!
1: Abandon ship! Does the Hindenburg ring any bells? <laughs> Let me show you the new Stark Industries business plan. Look, that's a weapons company that doesn't make weapons.
2: Uh, Howard, big Nazi are your hands? killer Stark.
1: What? How big are your hands?
3: I, I don't understand this why... Get down really
2: here, I need you.
0: It's enough. <laughs>
2: Hey. Let's see them. Show me hands. Let's see them. Oh, wow, they are small. Very petite indeed. I just, uh, need your help for a sec. Oh,
1: my God, is that the thing that's keeping you alive?
2: It was. It is now an antique. This is what will be keeping me alive for the foreseeable future. I'm swapping it out for an upgraded unit, and I just ran into a little speed bump speed what, do what does that and mean? It's nothing, it's just a little snag, there's an exposed wire under this device and it's contacting the socket wall and it's causing a little bit of a short, it's what? fine. What, what, what do you want me to do? Put that on the table over there, that is irrelevant. Oh my god. I just want you to reach in and you're just going to gently lift the wire out. Is it safe? Yeah, it should be fine, it's like operation, you just don't let it touch the socket wall Let's where it goes operate? beep.
5: What do you mean operation? It's
2: just a game, never mind. Just gently lift okay. the wire. Okay, great.
3: You know, I, 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 I don't think that I'm qualified to do
2: this. No, you're fine. You are the most capable, qualified, trustworthy person I've ever met. You can do great. Is it Hi. too much of a problem to ask? Cause I'm, I'm. Okay, okay. I really need your help here. Okay. Oh, my, oh, 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 there's. It's not pus, it's an inorganic ah, plasmic discharge. It's from the device, not from my body. It smells. Yeah, it does. The copper wire. The copper wire, you okay, got, it? got it? Okay, I got it, I Okay, you got it. Now, don't let it touch. Ah, it's, it's when you're I'm coming sorry, out. That's I'm what sorry, I was sorry, trying to I'm say sorry. before. Okay, now, make sure that when you pull it out, you don't pull out the there's a magnet at the end of it. That was it. You just pulled out. Okay, oh God. I was okay. not expecting it. Don't do put do? it back what in, do don't put it back in. What's wrong? Uh, not that I'm just going into cardiac arrest Because you what? yanked I thought out you said this was like safe We gotta hurry Take this, take this okay. We gotta switch it out really quick Okay, okay. Tony
3: It's gonna be okay Okay. It? It's gonna be okay
2: uh, I, I am gonna make this okay Oh. Okay, you're gonna attach that To okay. the kind of base plate And make sure you yeah. is that so hard? Oh, that was fine, right? Eh? Oh, I got it gotta get... Nice Are you okay? Yeah, I feel great. You okay?
3: (laughs) Don't ever, 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 ever ask me to do anything like that ever again.
2: I I don't have anyone but you.
6: Anyway.
2: What do you want me to do with this? Yeah? Destroy it incinerate it you don't want to keep it pepper i've been called many things nostalgic is not one of them will that be all mr stark that will be all Miss Potts. hey butterfingers come here what's all this stuff doing on top of my desk that's my phone that's a picture of me and my dad right there all that stuff
1: At the time, seeing Tony's lab was pretty awesome, as it was really futuristic and high-tech as it could possibly be. Even watching this film ten years later, it still looks pretty terrific. Some of the past films where technology of the time is used, it often falls flat watching it today. Now, eventually his lab may be considered dated, but as of now, it still looks pretty cool in my opinion. The tests that Tony runs are hilarious, whether it be uh, the hand thrusters tossing him across the room and then having robots always shooting a fire extinguisher after every test. It's always fun to see scenes where superheroes are learning to use their powers. I think I would be remiss if a nod to Knight Rider wasn't made towards the brain of Iron Man, better known as Jarvis, voiced by Paul Bettany. Also, it's amazing... Uh, to see Tony Stark's house that is a mansion, which basically hangs off a cliff of an ocean. It would be way too freaky to think of any natural disaster would push your house into the ocean, personally. But then again, as a superhero, regular disasters occur at every instant. So we go back to Afghanistan. The Ten Rings group uh, found the remnants of Stark's original Iron Man suit and attempts to put it back together. So much like an Alfred Hitchcock movie, who had cameos in all of his films, the Marvel version of this Hitchcock cameo is Stan Lee, who of course was the creator of almost all of the famous Marvel comic book characters. In Iron Man, his cameo is sort of a Hugh Hefner type of guy, and Stark says, hey Hef, and we see Stan Lee turn around. The film creators always do an excellent job with Stan Lee's cameos. Eventually, Stane shows his true intentions and the plot starts to move past the origin story and more to Tony Stark finalizing his Iron Man suit and stopping Stain and the Afghani terrorists. The scenes where Stark finally uses his suit in Afghanistan is really well done, like the technology to shoot only the terrorists using uh, Jarvis uh, while also identifying civilians and keeping them safe. And there's always humor added to when like when Rhodes calls Stark in the middle of the action. Hello?
3: Tony. Who this It's Rhodes. Sorry, hello? I said it's Rhodes. Speak up, please. When the hell is that noise?
2: Funny oh, yeah, I'm driving the top down.
3: Yeah, well, I need your help right now.
2: It's funny how that works, huh?
3: Yeah, speaking of funny, we've got a weapons depot that was just blown up a few clicks from where you were being held captive.
2: Well, that's a uh, that's a hot spot. Sounds like someone stepped in and did your job for you. Why do you sound out
3: of breath, Tony? I'm no, not, I was just jogging in the canyon. I thought you were driving.
2: Right, I was driving uh, to the canyon.
3: You sure you don't have any tech in that area I should know about?
2: Nope. Bogey spotted! Whiplash, come in hot.
3: Okay, good, because I'm staring at one right now and it's about to be blown to Kingdom Come.
1: Oh, that's my Ironically, or maybe not so much, the plot of Iron Man really isn't that much different than, say, the first Expendables movie, as you have one very powerful businessman financing a dictator and terrorist group. And I think the difference is that there's kind of a wink and a tongue-in-cheek nature to the Expendables, while Iron Man is supposed to be taken seriously. But come on, folks, it's a superhero movie. It's not highbrow stuff, no matter how much the comic book geeks take it seriously. I actually wish there were more scenes with Jeff Bridges because he's awesome as usual, but I'm also happy the film isn't three hours either. Another good side character in the Marvel Universe is Agent Coulson, played by Clark Gregg, who is part of S.H.I.E.L.D. He will become more important and have a bit more significance in future uh, MCU films. It's funny, once Stane gets his version of the Iron Man suit, his voice turns in kinda like Christian Bale as Batman, Uh, becomes Iron Monger, you know, maybe part Bane when he's unintelligible too.
2: Put him down. Collateral damage, Tony. For 30 years, I've been holding you up.
0: I built this company for
3: nothing. And nothing is gonna stand in my way.
1: Least of all, you. Of course, the movie has to end with Black Sabbath Iron Man. Even though I've heard it a million times, it was still good to hear it in the film. It's well placed at the end instead of using it every five seconds that you know Iron Man appeared. And of course, Marvel had to make the theater-going experience even longer as this film took a cue from Ferris Bueller's Day Off and made film goers sit through 10 minutes of credits to watch a quick scene after the credits. Luckily, I won't blab that long, and I'll tell you the scene for Iron Man. So basically, you get the introduction of Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., who quickly teases that he's going to chat with Stark about the Avengers initiative. And at the time, this was super cool stuff, but now we're jaded with these scenes. So, I will mention a few notable deleted scenes. Uh, there's one where Rhodes tells his commander, uh, Bill Smitrovich, who uh, is the life-goes-on dad. Remember Corky? Yeah. He goes to Afghanistan, and he's going to Afghanistan to basically tell, to, uh, to find Tony Stark. There's another one where Tony returns home. Jarvis has a different voice than what actually made into the film, and he finds a, a watch from Stane saying, Thank God it wasn't your time. He also has... Uh, Over 1,700 new voice messages from Jarvis, so Tony flips through an air screen and deletes it all. Another scene is that Tony decides to throw a party in Dubai after trashing his place, uh, testing his suit. Uh, Pepper organizes the party. Tony picks up three women in bikinis and takes them to his room. Uh, I think the scene was probably a bit too risque for the PG-13 audience, Uh, so then we see huge fireworks display and a rocket zoom out of, of the fireworks. Uh, presumably that Stark uh, was being Iron Man and had to rush back. The last one is Pepper wakes up at the house in Dubai and sees tons of people passed out around the house, and then she finds Tony all beaten up in his Iron Man suit in bed. All right, a few fun facts. Uh, Nicholas Cage, Tom Cruise, Clive Owen, Sam Rockwell, and Hugh Jackman all expressed an interest to play Tony Stark. Can't imagine Hugh Jackman being the Wolverine and Tony Stark, but there you go. Jeff Bridges said he felt really uncomfortable not having a script or rehearsal since he's normally really prepared for his roles. He likes to know all of his lines word for word. So he felt that he was basically in a, quote, $200 million student film, and that kind of took the pressure off of him and made it fun. So Tony Stark's computer system is, of course, called Jarvis, and this stands for just a rather very intelligent system. And so this is a tribute to Edwin Jarvis, Howard Stark's butler. He was changed to an artificial intelligence to avoid comparisons to Bruce Wayne's butler, Alfred. So Rachel McAdams was actually John Favreau's first choice to play Pepper Potts, but she turned down the role, and she did appear in another Marvel movie, that being Doctor Strange in 2016. All right, we have a bunch of special guests, and this is great, so I hope you had fun listening to Iron Man. So we got Sonny Pooney, of course, Eric Sinzak, and Metal Mike Tyler. So we'll have a good time talking about this, and I'll be back next week to discuss another film from my very vast and unique DVD collection
0: okay we got one of our regulars back it's sunny pooney welcome back what's up man i love this
6: movie i love the superheroes
0: perfect well speaking of podcasting superheroes we got to promote your other podcast. you have grown up rock podcast rock city and now you're a regular and damn good movie Memories. so i'm happy to have you on man
6: yeah things are going well we're about 115 120 episodes into Grown up rock so that's going really well and podcast rock city we're in the mid to High two hundreds, I think now, and uh, you know you can talk about Kiss for the rest of your life, and you never run out of topics.
0: I know that's true, and you're you're, you're never you never will. <laughs> and you also Kiss have a, a rabid fan base, so that's never going to go away.
6: Yeah, that's why it's got twenty eight hundred podcasts. Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of a rabid fan base, there's definitely the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the one that kicked it all off was. Uh, 2008's Iron Man. So were you a, a comic book fan for Iron Man in the beginning, or was this like, hey, I'm going to watch this movie because it's something a little bit different. We'll see where it goes.
6: Yeah, I was, I'm a comic book fan. Um, not as much as, uh, I, I guess I'm a, what do they call it, Fair weather comic book fan. Or casual. Yeah, casual, there you go. I'm mm-hmm. more of a DC guy than I'm a Marvel guy. Okay. Um, although I do believe that everybody should have A fave DC character and a fave Marvel character, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Um, So I honestly didn't even know the Iron Man story, but I had seen, you know, the cartoons and stuff when we were growing up. But uh, this was kind of my intro to Iron Man. Yeah, and I think that
0: follows suit for a lot of people. It wasn't that well-known of a comic book character. I don't know many people that are like, oh, yeah, Iron Man, that's my guy. <laughs> you know, <It's, laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the brilliance of what Marvel did movie-wise, that they turned these kind of fringe characters that weren't Spider-Man and really made them super popular
6: yeah and marvel does such a better job than dc does it breaks my heart because i love dc though dc's getting a little bit
0: better i really enjoyed aquaman wonder woman was good and i even like shazam so maybe they're they're
6: learning yeah i haven't seen shazam yet you're one of the few that have said they've enjoyed aquaman because i enjoyed it too actually
0: oh keith Um, rochford liked it too so it's just a little bit too long but i thought it was well done
6: Yeah, I thought it was really well done.
0: Okay, so you saw Iron Man, and what were your initial impressions when you first saw this?
6: So the beauty of having kids is (laughs) uh, when they are are growing up, you get to go to the movies with them. So my son was eight years old when this movie came out. Mm -hmm. And I remember I'm like, oh, it's PG-13, man. I hope it's not too crazy. And the first couple of scenes, I'm like, damn it. My wife's going to kill me for this I know. movie. And luckily, it got a little better after that, but I uh-huh. was like, oh, my God, I hope this is not gory. Um, but I loved it from the beginning. I thought Robert Downey Jr. was the perfect cast for Tony Stark. I mean, yeah. he's funny, clever, smart, rich, good-looking, charisma, got women hanging off of him. Mm-hmm. You know, why wouldn't you want his life? Like, everybody wants to be that guy.
0: Oh, Yeah. And I think you, you brought up a good point. Of all the people that play the superheroes, he is by far the 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 guy that stands out the most. I think, with the exception maybe um, the the guy that plays Thor, Hemsworth, I don't. I, they're all kind of interchangeable. I think anyone could have played Captain America. I think Chris Evans is fine, but he's just kind of there. And uh, I think
6: Robert Downey Jr. really stands out. as to, he is Tony Stark? Yeah, I think uh, both. Well, especially Downey. It's the charisma. Right? Yeah. There's something missing in Evan's charisma as a Captain America. Now, he was a great flame in the Fantastic Four, but it was kind of more of a funny sidekick guy. Yeah, right? And he was fine. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a charisma to both Hemsworth and Downey that are just different than everybody else.
0: That's right, that's right. And, and and Hemsworth looks like Thor, too. So yeah, that, that helps. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then we, it's interesting, speak of interchangeable, you have Terrence Howard as Rhodes, and he just didn't last past this movie. Do you prefer Terrence Howard or Don Cheadle in this role?
6: I prefer Terrence Howard. I actually really like Don Cheadle, too, but mm-hmm. uh, more of the Ocean Eleven's Don Cheadle than probably anybody else. But uh, I, I, I had hoped, because Terrence kind of set up the second movie, right at the tail end when he was looking at the second costume yeah i was like oh okay he'll be back and it was unfortunate he wasn't
0: yeah i think he's kind of the same kind of like ed norton where ed norton originally played the hulk as well and i guess he's very he's difficult to work with too and they didn't bring him back so it's kind of interesting how how that happened for the two guys but obviously it didn't matter because people really didn't uh, you know, stomp their feet when when these particular roles changed.
6: Yeah, I think Avengers kind of put them over the top, right? Iron Man started it all because mm-hmm. the second and the third movie are all right, but they're not that they're not anything compared to the first movie. No, not but at the all. Avengers movies put it over the top because now you have this huge connection, kind of like X Men, that you don't want to miss anything because you don't know if it's going to connect to the next thing that comes out.
0: Right, wow. right, and and Iron Man's one of those where. First one's great, and then it kind of tapers off a bit. Whereas Thor, Thor starts out okay, and then it just gets better and better with each movie.
6: Yeah, agreed. Maybe they'll make a Green Lantern 2 and 3, and (laughs) the same thing will happen.
0: I know. That would be kind (laughs) of cool. And then you got a great villain. I mean, has Jeff Bridges been in anything that isn't good?
6: Uh, No, he hasn't been. Honestly, he hasn't been in a lot of movies that I've seen Mm -hmm. um, because I'm not really a Tron fan. Oh, okay. Um, But I loved him in Blown Away, loved him in Against All Odds. But he plays a great villain. There's no doubt.
0: Yeah. And did you ever see, um, God, I'm
6: having a mind blank. Oh, Starman. Oh yeah. I did see that movie. Yeah. I forgot that, about that one. Yeah. That was great. That was yeah. really, really good. And it's um, interesting because I didn't think at the beginning Bridges was going to be like when you're moving the mo- watching the movie for the first time, I didn't think Bridges was going to be the bad guy. Right. I thought Yison was going to be the, ba- was going to be the bad guy. Cause I'm like, why is this dude helping him in the cave? Like this is a little weird. Right. Then you also get Gwyneth Paltrow,
0: and I don't know. How do you feel about her as Pepper Potts?
6: Meh. I wish they would have picked somebody that was uh, a little more knockout, like Charlize, or you know. But the problem is, you also got to be able to play kind of that nerd. Sure. She played kind of that well, but I would have liked a hotter, like (laughs) romantic interest, to be honest.
0: So you would have rather had Leslie Bibb then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's she's pretty good as, the, as a as reporter in this, and then of course you have John Favreau who directed the film as well, playing his driver.
6: Yeah, you know you got to love Happy. You I mean there's nothing Absolutely. wrong with Happy? Absolutely, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, this I I really think if if this movie had bombed, like movie history kind of would have changed because you think about where movies are in ten years, it's all superhero movies, and it pretty much started. I think with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, but then the Iron Man just kind of kicked it up a notch.
6: Yeah, and it's the superhero movies that I've been using as an example for the whole Kiss thing. Mm-hmm. You know, people having a problem with the Spaceman and Catman being different. I'm like, well, how come you're okay with a different Superman every year? That's or true. Or a different Batman every two years? Like, that doesn't matter to you, but it matters to you that Tommy Thayer's playing guitar? Like, I don't <laughs> understand.
0: Okay, so we're just going to do a quick little superhero run-through. Who is your Superman? Who is your go-to Superman?
6: Um, ooh, I got to go with Christopher Reeve. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, yeah. he just, he, that was, that was always my Superman. I can't imagine yeah. anyone else being him. Batman.
6: Uh, Michael Keaton, 100%. Okay. And then Spider-Man. Uh, Maguire probably did it the best.
0: Okay. Okay. And then have you watched, have you seen every single Marvel Cinematic Universe movie?
6: I've seen most. Uh, oh. I have not seen all the Avengers yet, and uh, I have not seen the third Thor movie yet. Oh, that's the, the that's the
0: best one. See that one? Because it's hilarious. It's, it's full of comedy.
6: And that's the other thing about this, that there's a little bit of fun, right, totally. in this movie, which is kind of cool. And I think that's what makes Marvel movies better, is because DC, like, I thought Green Lantern did that well. Right yeah. Ryan Reynolds actually put some fun in the movie. I was I was upset that it bombed because I'm like, "Oh my god, they're finally doing the Marvel thing and it's going to work." Right.
0: Well, that's why I liked it, and this isn't associated with either DC or Marvel. Uh, I really enjoyed The Green Hornet with with Seth Rogen because they kind of made Kato the real uh, main character and it was funny, but I guess it it just didn't do well, but I was one of the few that enjoyed that one as well.
6: Oh, I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was
0: good too. Yeah, yeah, and but it just and nothing happened with it, but uh, have you? And you haven't seen the latest Avengers movie yet, the second part, Endgame.
6: No, I have not. I'm uh, I'm waiting. My son's in college now, so okay. we kind of have a pact that we watch these movies together. So we haven't had a chance yet.
0: Oh, that's cool. Well, strap it in because I'm 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 actually watching it in pieces. It's three hours long, so it's oh my a long God. one. Yeah, it's a long one.
6: Well, as Didn't always, they already yeah. saved the world a couple of times. That's like, what's what I'm going saying.
0: On? I, you know, a lot of people are saying, Oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. I'm like, Okay, get to it at this point. <laughs> you know, I get it, but come on. <laughs> oh, man. As always, thank you so much, Sonny. We'll have you back on soon. All right. Thank you. All right. I love having first time guests, and it's none other than none other than Eric Sinzak. That's easy for me to say. And <laughs> uh, I love having first time guests on. And we had met at the Rock and Pod Expo for 2019. And we just totally bonded about our love of movies and, of course, music and, and things like that. And uh, I thought it was perfect to kind of uh, bring him on the podcast and talk about the movies we love. And and one of the movies he picked was Iron Man from 2008. So welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thanks, Brian. appreciate it. Love being on here today. No problem. No problem. So when you first saw Iron Man, was this something that you totally were... Uh, really expecting to be great, or was it something like, eh, Iron Man was kind of a weird character in the comics. I don't know how they're going to make a movie out of it.
5: Uh, Well, I grew up, and you know, I'm I'm 45, so seeing superhero evolution through media, just through, you know, TV and movies, it was totally unexpected, because when you see, think of superhero stuff, nowadays, kids growing up now, they're like seeing Marvel, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, looks really cool and big on screen. So people my age, when they saw superhero stuff on TV, it was really hokey. Mm -hmm. So going to the theater and getting blown away by it, I was just, my expectations were low. And then when you, when I sat in the theater, it was like, I was jaw dropped from beginning to end over how amazingly good the whole film was just from start to finish.
0: Absolutely, and it really set the tone. I mean, really, it was the movie that kicked off the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, before that, they did have Spider Man. Spider Man did really well with Tobey Maguire, but then you had other ones that that just didn't take off, and like the Fantastic Four and things like that. Uh, yeah. I I could have never imagined that Iron Man would be the character that really <laughs> caused this. You know, superhero <laughs> movies to become as popular as they did.
5: Yeah, and leading into you know, I I did not never expected Avengers to like come from that so and and when they finally did that little teaser eventually like that photo teaser of the four chairs sitting there and it's like avengers is coming you know it was like I no they're not really going to be doing the entire avengers universe it was it, it couldn't possibly be you know i remember when that came out i was like no they're not doing it all like this so and nowadays you look back on it it's like it actually happened you're like what it, it, yeah. it actually happened so it's like it's really you almost like you know, head spun over the whole thing. So it's really cool that it actually did all come to fruition.
0: So I, I take it you did see this in the theater when it first came out.
5: Yeah, yeah I did. I took okay. my kids to see it. So.
0: And so did you know to stay to the very end to, to see what eventually became a no-brainer
5: for everyone? You, you had to stay through the credits. Did you stay to the end for that one? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I. people tell me afterwards, they're like, you didn't watch it? and No, I was like, no, I never, I had no idea. So I uh I think I went back with my brother-in-law and we mm-hmm. watched it again and we saw it we sat through the end of it cuz people told us there's a there's a scene after the credits are over. And I was like okay. <laughs> so we we sat there and watched it again and it was just amazing. So I was I was just freaking out over it.
0: And that really kind of started. At least I what I remember that starting as was Ferris Bueller because they had the whole, you know, the oh yeah song, and then Ferris came on and did you're still here, it's <laughs> over, which was fun. But th- now, forever movie,
5: you stay to the very end now. And and before we just, you know, everybody got up and left, and it was cool. And I think pretty much the reason I left the first time was because I had my kids with me, and sure. like, oh, we want to go, and it's like, you know, so I was like, all right, come on, come on, come on. But going with just, you know, somebody else who was an adult, it was like, okay, we can, we can sit here and soak it up and enjoy it. But it was, it was cool seeing that. And that really set the tone for the rest of Marvel's in credit scenes. So, and it's, it's now it's like a joke is like, you go into a Marvel movie and you're sit, you're leaving. What are you doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like the inside joke now where everybody goes. Oh, level.
0: absolutely. And then if you go to a DC movie, you have to wonder if they're going to do the same thing at this point. So it's really created yeah. a phenomenon. So as for the cast, obviously everyone loves Robert Downey Jr. Uh, did you feel the same way? And then how did you feel about the supporting cast, at least in the first film?
5: You know, what was really interesting was I'm a big fan of John Favreau and mm-hmm. I've always been a big fan of John Favreau all the way back from, from Rudy and swingers and he's that independent filmmaker, uh, you know, gut feeling about stuff. And I, I was just so, I thought it was so cool that he, he got that directorial, you know, grip on this thing and he made it his own. And, and when I saw him in the movie, I was like, yeah, it's awesome. You know, he's, he's, he's moved up into the major leagues now and he's doing some really cool stuff. And, and I was just, just blown away by that. And, and, you know, you know, with Paltrow playing Pepper Potts and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I thought that was just really awesome. And just, uh, Terrence, um, uh, Terrence Howard. Yes. Playing, yes. Uh, you know, road roadie. And, you know, he's, you know, I, I lived in Memphis and, you know, he did hustle and flow. So it mm-hmm. was kind of a, it was kind of cool. Cause you had a local flavor guy playing, uh, you know, another big name role. So we, it, it was really a big thing for, you know, all these guys, all these characters to play like this. Now i She'd been in a lot of big films, but, but I thought it, it was, it had a really cool feeling at that time. And it was like, you know, now it's like a, now it's time to really crank up these superhero films. And it's like people hadn't, you know, like you said, Spider-Man had was really cool, but everybody was kind of like, Oh, that was neat. And then mm-hmm. oh, let's go into something else. No, no, no. Let's not go into something else. Let's do this more. Let's do it better yeah you know <laughs> and i really thought that was cool you know because everybody loves star wars and then uh but star wars hadn't kicked off anymore you know and, and you know did the prequels and there, there was nothing happened with star wars yet nobody had even thought about doing more star wars films so you know big nerd like me i'm going to the movies now to see something that's really just just badass
0: so oh absolutely and then so well, you love Terrence Howard. How did you feel when his, basically, his character wasn't replaced, but he was replaced by Don Cheadle? Uh,
5: I, I have said some trepidation about it, but, you know, I had to come back around and, you know, these things happen in Hollywood. People people get replaced. People pick up other roles. And I'm like, you know what? It's a directorial decision it's, or it's a, you know, it's a casting decision. One thing happened and came up to another. And, you know, they they just did it. And I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta see how he does with it. I like Don Cheadle. He's been in a lot of great movies. So I was like, let's see how he does. And he, he, he filled the filled his boots just fine. Filled those uh, war machine boots just fine. And he, I think he did a great job overall throughout the whole series. And yeah, I, you know, after a while I couldn't see anyone else doing it. Right. And, and actually the same thing happened
0: with the Hulk and Edward Norton who And I guess supposedly Edward Norton and Terrence Howard kind of sometimes difficult to deal with on set. So that might've uh, played into why both of them got replaced. But obviously those are the type of characters that, um, I wouldn't say e- they're easily replaced, but obviously whoever, Don Cheadle's great. And obviously Mark, Mark Ruffalo is, is great as well.
5: Oh yeah. And Ed Norton, I don't know. I I watched the Ed Norton Hulk and I never could get into him playing that character. Mm. I, I never really feel like he fit that role as banner i thought he did great but you know i always pictured him as you know from i always pictured him from fight club i always pictured him from american history right right those characters and i'm like he plays really great roles in these other roles but he just to me he just didn't fit bruce banner i it's something and then mark ruffalo just stepped into it just great and i thought he played he played those characters great, you know, I play or he played Banner just perfectly. And I think the, the role, the playoff he had with uh, Scarlett Johansson just worked wonderfully. I just think that they they just played off each other great throughout the whole series.
0: Well, you and I probably both have a soft spot for Bill Bixby, of course, because of the TV <laughs> show. Because that yes. really it's always the one, you know. It's like Christopher Reeve and Superman, or you know, things like that, or Michael Keaton and Batman. Uh, how did you feel about Eric Bono when he played uh, his version of, of the
5: Hulk with Ang Lee? Do you want an honest opinion? No, sure. no, absolutely.
0: <laughs> That's what you're here for.
5: I I hated that movie. A lot I almost did. don't even <laughs> want to. Yeah, I almost don't even want to bring it up. I thought I I don't even want to uh, say it was a part of canon. Not that Eric Bono is not a great actor, but I just don't think that he. You know, I think he's better in a Star in his, you know in Star Trek. I thought he was great in the Star Trek movie in Nemesis, but I don't think he. he you know, I I think it was a bad movie. I don't think it, that I think that movie suffered from a lot of uh, story flaws, oh, sure. and you know, just as far as a lot of other things, you know, there. I think there was a lot of directorial problems with that film, and from start to finish, I think that movie just lagged the
6: whole. Yeah,
0: day. yeah, and it actually goes to show like how. Marvel really once they found a formula, they really never looked back, and they did an amazing job with the whole cinematic universe. But before going in, <laughs> with the exception yeah. of maybe X Men, which I never really got, X Men, but a lot of people love it. Uh, yeah, it really the Marvel movies didn't do well at all, whether it be the Fantastic Four, or Daredevil, or you know all of those, they just kind of fell flat. Now I love the Punisher, and eventually oh. we're going to be talking about that one, but it really a lot of these movies didn't do well until Iron
5: Man. All right. 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 And it's, uh, you know, it's funny, it, it's, it is a chemistry issue with, with these films, it, you have to, you have to find what works. And test audiences don't always tell you, you know, what you're going to see with the general audience. Right. You know, they may test well, and these, they, they may say, oh, yeah, this is doing great in testing, let's put it out there, but then it's going to fall flat, you know. Exactly. And then
0: one more one other thing we can touch upon is how did you feel about the villain and and uh, of course Jeff Bridges playing um, you know Stain.
6: Yeah, how did I you figured, feel with uh,
0: with that villain compared to eventually the sequels? Uh, wh- what is your favorite villain for the for the Iron Man trilogy?
5: Um, you know, like uh, I think Mickey Rourke did a good job in Iron Man three. Um, <laughs> and I think he, but I, uh, you know, the first one, Obadiah, you know, Jeff Bridges playing Obadiah Stain was, was really wonderful. Um, and I think, you know, it sort of set the tone for how he's going to have to overcome a lot of these issues. He was sort of a mentor family member that, that he, you know, has to get past, uh, which was really cool. I thought it was great. You know, he's sort of in the standing in the shadows of this guy and he, he, he's, basically fights this fight to, you know, and, and this guy's sort of keeping him down. And once he gets through this, you know, and, and that was really kind of a neat thing that they did was you know, the guy's so close to him and he, he has to destroy him mm-hmm. to get through him to basically control his own company and control his own destiny. And I thought that was kind of a great writing uh, thing that, you know, that uh, John Favreau threw in there and made it sort of a, a neat uh, focus of his character. Um, and once it once he's through that and he's sort of on the other side of it, he can be himself. He can right. sort of be in control of his own destiny. Uh, and it's almost like you know this thing's hindering me. I can't control myself. I can't control anything in front of me. And that was kind of cool. And then the the villains that follow that, you know, the Mandarin and then yeah. you know all, after all that, <laughs> it, it's almost a bit like the characters are a little comical because they're not personal to him. Right. Um, they're they're a little bit quirky. They're a little comical, but. But I do think that they're, you know, and it's almost like, you know, I've beaten this, you know, I've beaten all these personal things. You can't really hurt me, mm-hmm. you know? And Tony's got such a great, uh, Tony Stark is, I, I don't picture anybody else playing Tony, Tony Stark except for no. Danny. He's, so, he's true. so cut for that role, you know, and he made it his own. But uh, yeah, I think, I think the first character, first villain he fights is just, it was really a genius casting move. And I think Jeff Bridges uh, pulled that character off with great aplomb. Oh yeah, and and Jeff Bridges. I mean, I understand he's. Uh, everyone
0: thinks of him as the dude now, but it's uh, Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's great to have him in these types of roles because again, he can pretty much play anything at this point.
5: Yeah, he put a big robe on the ironmonger with a with a white Russian in it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> only
0: only <laughs> in the outtakes. Only in the outtakes.
5: Yeah, in the outtakes, you do that. <laughs> that rug really <laughs> tied this room together, you know, something like that. But <laughs> he i sure you guys were thinking of that. But, oh, <laughs> I guarantee
0: it. I guarantee it. This has been great. Thank you for coming on. We got to talk about your podcast that is going to be brand new and coming out next year. It's called called The Car Crash. It's a media podcast. So explain a little bit uh, to the audience what eventually you're going to do and what are the themes you're going to cover?
5: Well, I plan to – I first I was going to talk mostly just about soundtracks, but I really like movies, music, TV shows uh, great nostalgia stuff from the eighties and mostly part, uh, soundtracks. I do love soundtracks, but, um, planning to kind of do what we're doing right here, you know, talk to other podcasters and, uh, you know, I love, you know, this kind of pop culture type stuff. And so I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, come out have a little bit of fun with it, uh, and start off sometime next year, early next year, hopefully get everything rolling and, uh, just, you know, get deep dive right into it. I'm kind of a, child of 80s 90s culture and just uh i love anime and music and tv and uh you know just this is kind of what i'm into so i'm just going to put it out there and see who who likes it who wants to get on board who wants to have fun with it Mm -hmm. well that's gonna be perfect
0: i adore all things 80s so uh be happy to come on if you ever need me and uh we definitely plan on having you on a lot on this podcast because we have i have so many movies to cover uh, if you didn't know already, the way we pick the movies, it's all based on my DVD collections. So, uh, quite an <laughs> yeah. eclectic taste. So, we'll, well, I'm sure we'll have we'll be
5: talking again in the future. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I've got uh, I've got two, two bookcases filled to the brim. So, perfect. We, there, we got plenty to talk about. So, I'd love to come back on with you. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, Eric. Thanks, Brian. Loved to loved it. Have a, had a great time. Thank you.
0: All right, we're back with one of my favorite guests. It's been too long. It's Metal Mike Tyler. Welcome back, Mike. Thank you for having me. Total honor to be here, and you're awesome, dude. Thank no you. No problem. And uh, we're we're going to talk about one of your favorite subjects, and that is uh, <laughs> comic book movies and superhero movies, and and the one that kind of started. Kind of started it all for at least the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and the way that people view comic book movies now, and that's Iron Man. And, uh, yes. and but first, you 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 wanna you wanna say something, and and this is your platform. Go ahead.
4: Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, a few days ago, a, f- a really good friend of mine by the name of James Greave um, passed away. He apparently had a heart attack and and fell over and hit his head. And James was a really good guy, man. Loved him <laughs> to death. When I first started at that metal station, this is before I even became a co-owner. Um, he was one of my biggest supporters. I mean, right there with uh, my my friend Bill Dover, Rildo, who's a frequent co-host of the of the Metal Mike show. Yep. My friend Dirty Dave and my friend Sarah they they were very very supportive of me doing this, man. So I will always be grateful to him. I'm gonna miss him, man. He was a good guy.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm really sorry for your loss. It just happened this week, and uh, yeah. And yeah. I know you he, he probably would have would have dug, uh, you know, hearing you doing this as well as as your radio station. Oh yeah, and, well, I told yeah.
4: him about your podcast. I don't know if he ever got around to listening to it, but he mm-hmm. I remember him saying he's like, well, fuck, I like movies. I'm like, well, then you should listen to this
0: podcast. Yeah. yeah. So he
4: was a really good dude. And I, this episode goes out to you, James. I love you, brother.
0: Cool, cool. Again, we're we're talking about one of your your favorite things, and and that is comic book movies and and Iron Man. So when you first saw this movie. Um, did it live up to your expectations, and did you ever imagine that a character like Iron Man, which wasn't one of the top Marvel characters, would turn into kind of a phenomenon? Good question.
4: That That's a good question. Uh, I know that, you know, being a comic book fan all my life, I knew I was intimate with Iron Man. I knew who he was. I, I'd been reading comic books for years, Marvel right. and DC. Now it's funny because now it's, like, cool. Everyone like loves it. Stuff. That's yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, um, well, I wouldn't say everyone. You got your detractors like the the uh, great Martin Scorsese. He said some stuff recently about, all oh, Marvel movies is like an amusement park or theme park. And I'm like, okay, dude, that's cool. You, maybe you're just not really a fan of comic books in general. Well, I think, you know, it's it's, and easy, I get
0: that. it's easy to get the burnout factor of it. Because now it's oh, kind of sure. like the only thing that seems to come out are either remakes or, or superhero movies. And I know, upper- and, Yeah. And
4: it's a it's a concern of mine because as much as I love comic books and stuff, I don't want that. I I'm afraid that eventually the balloon's going to pop. People are going to be like, you know what? Fuck Spider-Man or whoever, right. They're going to be done with it. And that's a shame because what they have done, you know, uh, along with DC and what they're doing. I mean, It's a great time to be a comic book fan. For a guy who grew up on this stuff, i read these stories. I know these characters. And to see it come to life and to see it done justice, I mean, you have to give Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios credit, whether you like it or not. And to me, there was two movies that kind of raised the bar for comic book movies, especially superhero movies. And uh, and they both came out in the same year. The one we're talking about today, Iron Man, and the other one, Dark Knight. So much so that I think Warner Brothers and DC's almost been a victim of their own success because that movie was so great and transcended so many things to where now, if you notice, DC has, I mean, I I shouldn't say that Aquaman was a huge hit. Wonder Woman did well, but they haven't been as consistent as Marvel with the box office hits. Agreed. Agreed. You know, and I think a lot of it has to do with because once they raise the bar with Dark Knight, everybody's expecting that kind of a quality of film. Right. And you they can't don't get that. it always. No. They don't
0: always get it, you know. Well, that's the one thing about Marvel, and it started with Iron Man, is like they set a certain pattern, and, and now it's to the point where it's almost impossible to fail. Even the lesser movies, the ones that aren't, you know, maybe quite oh, as yeah, good, they're can... still great. They're still fun. They're still entertaining. They follow that arc. Well, going back to Iron Man, so. When again, you you read Iron Man as a kid, you read the mm-hmm. comics, did the did the movie? Did you like the first movie better than the Loved comics? It. OK, oh, did I you would like it? I, I, yeah. I wouldn't say I
4: liked it better than the comics, but literally, dude, it was like seeing the they, they did his origin about as close as you could possibly get. OK. Yep, uh, they did update it a bit because people have to remember, you know, a lot of them stories were written in the 60s instead sure. of uh, Afghanistan. Tony was in Vietnam. That's right. Originally. Now, eventually, Marvel has and so does D.C. They have what they call this sliding time scale where things and events, you know, because they have, they to have explain to. That their characters don't get right. fucking older. Exactly. Dark, you know, they're
0: not they're not all Superman where they don't
4: age, you know. Right. Uh, One of the cute things I thought about the movie is when Tony Stark mentions MySpace. I was like, oh, that dates it a little bit right Right. there, you know. Right, yeah. But um, I loved it. I thought it was a phenomenal movie. I thought that at the time I was jacked. When I found out that Robert Downey Jr. got the part, Uh I was like, oh, he'll make a great Tony Stark, man. Um, You know, I thought the cast was, you know, like John Favreau, who also directed the film, made a great um, Happy Hogan. I thought Gwyneth Paltrow was uh, was great. I mean, she even got the little freckles, just like Pepper Potts does. Right. It Absolutely. really was like watching the comics come to life. The interesting thing about Iron Man and a lot of comic book movies is when you've got a character that's been around. Mm-hmm. Well, fuck's Batman and Superman's been around for over eighty plus years, I believe. Yeah, Captain um, America. Yeah, Captain America too. Uh, yeah. Iron Man's been around for at least fifty years now. Yeah, uh, give or take, and yeah, I think it's over fifty years now. And so, what you'll notice when they do, they'll, they'll cherry-pick different storylines over the years.
5: Sure. Like,
4: Obadiah Stane, the main villain in the film, Brian, mm-hmm. he didn't come into the comics till years later. He had nothing to do with Tony's origin in the comic
0: books. Ah, Obadiah see, there you go. Obadiah
4: Stane's actually a guy who, you know, in this in the movie, he was he was Stark's father's partner and, you know, and all that. And, and, and I had no problem with that. Uh-huh. Because, again, you can't do 40, 50 years of comic continuity in a movie. You've got to Take what works, and, and I, I have no problem with them cherry picking things. Sure. When there's been a character that's been around that long, and Obadiah Stane is a great villain, mm-hmm. but in the comic books, Obadiah Stane was a guy who pretty much did a hostile takeover on Tony. Mm. And he and before he even he even became the Iron Monger, he had all these hench people that he used. They were the chessmen, and they had like armor and shit too. So you had the knight and the rook. And the, you know, and, and, and the bishop, and you had all these dudes that tried to take Iron Man out and they failed and he beats them all. And Tony at the time falls head over heels in love with this woman. Well, the woman ends up rejecting him and breaking his heart. And Mm. you find out she's Obadiah's queen. Ah. She was the queen. So he's like checkmate and he Uh literally takes over Stark's company. And, and then that's when Rhodey, his friend, who's played by um, Terrence Howard, right? Yep. Yep, and the first film, which he really looks more like Rhodey in the comics. I mean, I love Don Cheadle, but Don don't really resemble Rhodey.
0: Okay, that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrence did.
4: The actor doesn't have to look exactly like the character. No, no, of course. Not. But if you was to see um, War Machine, and you know, from the if I were to show you a a a drawing of Rhodey, sure. you'd be like, holy shit, Terrence Howard yeah. does look like him. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um. So, but anyway, yeah. what ends up happening is he ends up taking over the Iron Man identity. Uh, and was Iron Man for like a good number of years. Mm. And then eventually when Tony defeats Obadiah Stane, and by that time Obadiah Stane becomes the Iron Monger, and, and Obadiah Stane in the comic books ended up killing himself. He, he, mm. he takes one of his repulsors right to the face, right in front of Tony. And uh, yeah, he so he kills himself, Tony gets his company back, and Rhodey becomes War Machine. Yeah, but, but again, you know, that's like how many years of stories and continuity. So for a movie, they, you know, like another interesting thing, in the very end, you know how Tony admits that he's Iron Man? Right. Remember how they were like, y- yeah, you're going to say he's your bodyguard. He, yeah. Dude, that was his, that was his shtick for years, Brian. Right. Tony didn't reveal that he was Iron Man until the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Shortly, actually a few years before uh, the movie was made. So there you go. They go from here to there, but because in a movie you can, you know, they were just like, well, it's almost like they want to get their characters to where they're at in the comics now as quickly as possible. So sure. they, Tony did the whole, oh, Iron Man's my bodyguard forever, bro.
0: Yeah. Well, this, this is why I have you on, because you have all this history. See, I, I self-admitted I wasn't a huge Iron Man fan. Did it, I knew the, the kind of the basics of it. But me going into the film, it just it kind of blew me away, because to me it was always, you know, obviously it wasn't as, as popular as, say, Spider-Man or Captain America or no. even the Hulk. And so to make something out of a character, and I think that's the genius of Marvel, you know, make something out of Iron Man or Ant-Man, you know, all of those, and make them as big as, Spider-Man is amazing.
4: And here's another thing that a lot of people don't know, but apparently DC kind of wanted to do the same thing with the Christian Bale Batman. They wanted that to be mm. the springboard for their cinematic
0: universe. That would have been great. That would and been they, great. Wanted,
4: they wanted Christopher Nolan to be in charge of it. At first, yeah. he was like, well, let me think about it. Well, eventually, he said no, and by the way, I want to end my Batman story uh-huh. my way. Well, Warner Brothers was cool. You know, they, they could have been dicks and said, well, hey, we'll just get somebody else. And they decided, no, we'll let him finish his film, which he did. Yep. And we'll just start another DC universe. And, you know, of course, they tried with Green Lantern. That was abysmal. Then Man of Steel was. It's, man of Steel's got moments, and I I think Henry Cavill made a good Superman, but it's, it wasn't. I I don't know, man. I mean, one of my th- things that I have to fucking vent right now about comic book movies. When you're doing the icons like Superman or Batman or Spider Man, don't do a fucking origin story. Yeah, you don't we need don't to anymore. Need it. No. You don't need it. You know, with a guy like Iron Man, I understand. A guy like sure. The Punisher. A
0: yeah, guy okay. like uh, Black Panther. Aquaman.
4: Even. Yeah. even Aquaman or Black Panther. I get yeah. it. But, but not... And even Wonder Woman, even though she's an icon, I could see why they did an origin for
0: her. Because yeah, it, really it was really the first movie with her, you know? Exactly. Yeah. You know, but we've seen Superman's origin. Yeah, Spider-Man,
4: all those. It, yeah. yeah, Don't need another fucking... Thank God Matt Reeves with his bat, new Batman trilogy is not doing an origin story. Good. Thank the fucking comic book gods
0: because, yeah. ugh. And that you know, was the nice thing. That was the nice thing about the the latest Tom Holland version of Spider Man. They really didn't do it for that either. They just kind of oh, put him no, in high school did. and they figured they it out. Yeah. You know.
4: But yeah, I mean, if you were to ask me, did I think it would become this big a thing? Well, the right. answer is probably not. I mean, I thought Iron Man would be a hit. I thought okay. it would do well. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know, you know. But once I saw it, I was like, wow. I was just as blown away by Iron Man as I was by The Dark Knight.
0: Right, and they they were one and two that year in box and, office, so it makes sense.
4: I want to vent about is I get tired of people going. Well, all Marvel movies are the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: I disagree with that completely. And 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 they're all they all play it safe, blah blah blah. Well, I just watched Iron Man last night to kind of refresh myself with this. Now, Iron Man is not he's not like the Punisher. Iron Man's really not a killer, but. I mean, he will kill if he has to. Dude, in this movie, man, he smokes some people left and right, man. Mm -hmm. So anybody that wants to say that Marvel films don't show violence or they're not dark or... I'm like, so you're telling me Captain America Civil War wasn't a dark film? Sure it had funny moments, especially when you got a guy like Spider-Man cracking jokes. But let's be real, man. No, no. That was a pretty dark film, you know? I
0: think... uh... No, you're, you make totally valid points, but I think more like they, they had such a uh, a try eventually a very successful pattern about the way they kind of oh, do sure. the story arcs and everything. I think that's where sometimes they're like, well, we know what's going to happen in the sense of a story arc. Of course, all the movies are all different because you have different characters. Um, but also when you connect all of the characters together, it has to follow some sort of. Format, well, right, yeah,
4: right. I mean, yeah. you no, know, it's funny because Kevin Feige says the formula he follows, believe it or not, is the Richard Donner Superman
0: film. Oh uh-huh, well, there you go.
4: <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's a pretty goddamn good formula because yeah? that movie's an absolute classic, and it, it, it is, it is a, a
0: blueprint of how you do a superhero film and do it right. One question to kind of wrap up everything. Sure, where, sure. Where would you place Iron Man to all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and, and if you were to give me a top five? what are your top five of that universe of, of the I guess there's the Marvel
4: cinematic films yeah, yeah. what the Marvel would you... cinematic universe yeah oh good question good question um hmm well I think number one has to go to Captain America the winter soldier Winter soldier graphic novels quite a bit different than the movie mm-hmm. but what I loved about the movie is the whole idea they basically just took a, a set 1970s political thriller and put it in a superhero setting and then where, where was Iron Man
0: fit? Is it even in your top five?
4: I'd I put it in my top five. Let me see. It's hard for me to rank these, bro, to be honest with you. I'd probably go Captain America Winter Soldier, number one. Uh, number two of Avengers Infinity War. Number three would be Endgame. Number four would be Iron Man. And here's number five. It's going to surprise the shit out of you. Okay. Incredible Hulk with uh,
0: Edward uh, Norton. Ah, there you go. There uh, you go. I, know,
4: I, I hear a lot of people just kind of rip on that movie, and I don't understand it because I'm like, especially when you compare it to the Ain't Lean piece of crap. That's well, yeah, crazy. and it's it was the Girl. second. It was really the
0: second film. It was right after yes. Iron Man. Yeah.
4: And yeah. I thought it was great. I think that is a very underrated comic book film. I don't yeah. think Incredible Hulk gets the credit it deserves. And I'll hear people go, "Oh, it wasn't that good." I'm like. What are you on?
0: Yeah, nothing against like, Mark Ruffalo, but I I think Edward Norton is the the superior actor in my opinion. Well, not only that
4: he looks like Bruce Banner. He I made agree. a great Bruce Banner, and yep. and uh, yeah, uh, and and I mean, again, I loved Incredible Hulk because it was like I've read a ton of Incredible Hulk comics as a kid. He's probably my favorite number. He's my number two Marvel hero. Sure. My number one Spider Man has been yeah. since I was a little guy. Yeah, I, I I definitely would put Iron Man in my top five because it was a game changer. You know, yeah. I mean. Um, you wouldn't have what we have now without it. I mean, it's kind of ironic that Iron Man right. was the springboard when in the comic books in the 1960s, it was actually the Fantastic Four. That's right. what's run the Marvel universe. Uh, before that, Marvel had been around as a company for almost as long as DC. They weren't called Marvel then. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 1930s and 40s, they were called Timely. Right. published Captain America and Namor the Submariner. Uh, the original human torch who was an android. And here's a little bit of trivia for you. The vision Mm -hmm. and the comics, he is the human the original human torch. Ah, there you go. Human torch gets burned out or whatever, and Ultron uses the torch's body to create the vision. Mm. So, yeah, there's a little bit of history there. So there you go. Differently, you know, obviously, because again, you can't do 60, 70, years of comic
0: books, you know, in a 2-hour film it's
4: impossible.
0: Well, that's a good way to to end this and this has been amazing. I mean, if you are a go-to comic book guy and uh, <laughs> I I have plenty of comic book movies, so I will be talking to you soon, of course. And wow. uh, thank you. Thank you awesome. as always, Metal Mike. You're welcome, brother.
1: Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat because even when you lose, you still win.
3: My second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault there ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original fiera Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>